Our scripture reading for this morning can be found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. I invite you to turn in there, turn to that passage in your Bibles this morning. You do not have a copy of the scriptures with you. We do have some Bibles under your pews, and the page number for that is 1,267. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Second Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. May God bless the preaching of his word. We are taking a break from our study in 2 Kings this morning in order to focus upon a passage that is more suitable for Mother's Day. We are extremely grateful and indebted to our mothers. Uh, A mother's influence upon her children is really immeasurable, and it deserves to be celebrated. John Piper said, and I quote, what I owe my mother for my soul and my love to Christ and my role as a husband and a father is incalculable, end quote. Again, when John Piper provided a testimony to Bethlehem Baptist Church as a pastoral candidate, he paid the ultimate tribute when he said, and I quote, she, referring to his mother, stamped me more than anybody in the world. There's just no doubt about it, end quote. Now, most of us have many influences in our lives, people who have given us time and attention, people that we have looked up to and admired, people who have contributed to who we are and have become in some very demonstrable ways, I personally, and I'm going to have a number of of, uh, personal illustrations this morning, much more than than usual, but uh, I was blessed to have a wonderful mother, and I want to pay tribute to her as well as give some practical examples of how we can find the scriptures uh, to be applied. As I say, most of us have many influences in our lives, uh, and uh, I personally have been blessed by pastors. Sunday school teachers, college and seminary professors, and godly friends. But by far, the greatest influence upon my life has been my mother. She has indelibly sealed my faith in a very precious and remarkable way. This morning, we're going to consider 
a mother's influence from the example of Eunice, the mother of Timothy. Timothy was blessed to have many godly influences in his life, and among them, of course, was the Apostle Paul. He was a person who had mentored Timothy and had shown great interest in Timothy and helped him prepare for the ministry. Paul and Timothy shared a very special bond that is referred to in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, where it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Now these words to Timothy, my beloved child. Timothy, my beloved child. Now, Timothy was not actually Paul's child in a biological sense. Uh, He did not father Paul. We, We know that from the book of Acts that Paul had a Greek father. Nor was he a father in the sense that he led Timothy to the Lord. For we know, according to the book of Acts, that Timothy was already a disciple long before he ever met the apostle Paul. But Paul uses this as an enduring term, talking about how they worked side by side and how important Timothy was to Paul, how he shed tears as he thought of Timothy, how he prayed for Timothy, but not a true biological child. Paul is reminded as he reflects upon Timothy uses the word to remember three times in this text. Paul is reminded of the influence of Timothy's grandmother Lois and mother Eunice in verse 5. It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. And then goes on to say, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. So this morning, we're going to be looking at a mother's influence in the spiritual development of her children. The first thing we note is Timothy's mother was influential in Timothy's coming to faith. Timothy's mother was influential in his coming to faith. Verse 5. A sincere faith Timothy has. In verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Sincere faith is a genuine faith. Faith that's the real deal, not put on, not hyped, not exaggerated. Faith that manifests itself, that is true, that bears fruit, so that what one is doing is motivated by the best of desires and reasons. One's not trying to be showy or motivated by self-gain or self-interest. True faith stands in contrast to that of the hypocritical faith of the Pharisees. Or notice that they are described as people who are interested in simply gaining the praise and approval of others. Matthew 23, 5. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. John 14, 23. They love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They are insincere. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. Timothy is described as having a sincere faith. But then it goes on to say, 
that this sincere faith is a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. A faith that had been passed down through the generations. Now, one cannot inherit faith the way that one inherits a property, but one can definitely be influenced dramatically by the faith of mothers and grandmothers. As I say, Paul had not led Timothy to Lord. Timothy most likely came to know the Lord through his mother's influence. And what a wonderful blessing and privilege to lead your children to the Lord. Tim Challies has written a wonderful book entitled Devoted. Great Men and Their Godly Mothers. It's a compilation of biographical sketches of famous Christians, both historical and present, dealing with such people as Augustine and Spurgeon and John Piper. And in his book, he gives the account of the influence of many godly mothers upon their sons who became great men. Among them, as I say, is John Piper. We are introduced to him just a few moments ago. And in this book, Chim Challies writes, and I quote, no one had a deeper spiritual influence on John, referring to John Piper, than his mother. So it seems fitting that when John was six years old, it was Ruth, his mother, who knelt with him and led him in prayer as he received Christ as his savior. Through the memory of that day, soon faded from his mind. It remained fixed in hers as the day of his conversion. The day of his conversion. Like so many, John Piper's mother led him to the Lord. My own mother led me to the Lord when I was five years of age. My wife, Bonnie, was the one who led all three of our daughters to the Lord. Many, many mothers have had the privilege of leading their children to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us can credit our mother as the one that God had used to bring us to faith. And I would just ask this morning if, if you can bear that as your testimony. If it was your mother who led you to the Lord, would you please stand? You stand if it was your mother. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. They're starting to pop up, yes. Others, if your mother led you to the Lord, okay, we're coming. If you look around, you can see there are quite a few here this morning whose mothers led them to the Lord. Thank you, you may be seated. Ladies, if your children are still young or have not yet come to a saving faith, I would encourage you Pray for your children. Seek to share the gospel with them. Desire to have the privilege of leading them to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. Timothy's mother was influential in Timothy's being established in the faith. Timothy is confident in his faith. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, Verse 14, 
2 Timothy 3.14, Paul writes of Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Firmly believed. Timothy is confident in his faith. And that confidence comes in large part from his mother Eunice's influence. Notice verse 14 says, but as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed. And here is the reason, knowing from whom you have learned it. Knowing that the person who has shared the faith with you can be trusted. You can believe them. You can see the Spirit of God at work in their lives, and you see the fruit, the benefit of what it means to be a follower of Christ and have placed your faith in them. That confidence comes in a large part from the people that who are influential in our lives. Timothy had learned a great deal from the Apostle Paul. You look at the verses that precede in verse 10, it says, you know, however, you, excuse me, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. What a display of faith that Timothy could witness in the life of Paul. Verse 11, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So Timothy had this wonderful example in his life in the person of the Apostle Paul, and so he could believe, he could be confirmed in his faith because of the genuineness of, of Paul's faith but that firmness of belief predicates Timothy's encounter with Paul and dates back to Timothy's earliest days with his mother Eunice. Notice verse 15. And from childhood, you have been acquainted with the scriptures, the sacred writings. From childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. So in this assurance you can have in this confirmation of your faith, knowing whom you have been learned it from, it goes back to Eunice. As Timothy learned these things as a child. The word childhood is actually the word for infancy. From Timothy's infancy, he had been exposed to the scriptures. It's also interesting, the word that's used Speaking of Timothy's acquaintance with the scripture, this word acquaint is translated as know in the NES and the King James. The word has been a part of Timothy's life from day one. It translates it as acquaintance for, it's, it's more than the idea of instruction. When you think of an acquaintance now in English, when we think of an acquaintance, we, we think of somebody that, that we know, but not very well. We're just kind of 
aware of them. They're, they're an acquaintance. But this idea is to know through experience, and it has the, the, the connotation of, of uh, a friendship with. A friendship with. That from an infancy, he had a friendship with the scriptures. The scriptures are the atmosphere in which we live, the air that we breathe. This is far different than simply having family devotions. It's not less than having family devotions, but it's more than that. It's the exposure of a real, sincere, and genuine faith. An exposure that is described in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you turn with me there. Deuteronomy 6, keep your finger here, we're coming back. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we find out that the word of God is to be on the hearts of these parents. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. And then it goes on to say, that the word of God needs to be communicated to our children. Verse 7, you shall teach them. You shall teach them, referring to their children. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And this diligence in teaching is demonstrated in the following ways. When you're at home, and when you go out, you are to be talking about the scriptures. Verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. Whether you're at home or whether you're abroad. From the time you get up in the morning until the time you go to bed. Verse 7. When you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. That's why I say it's more than just family devotions. It's, it's talking about all day long. You shall demonstrate your allegiance to the scriptures. Hang them on your walls. Verse 6, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now the Jews did this in a literal sense. But we are to understand the metaphorical value of these things. Metaphorically, they are to be a sign on your head. That is, the word of God governs, excuse me, they are to be a sign on your hand. That is, that the word of God governs what you do. Verse 6, you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand. They would literally take a small portion of scripture and put it in a box and tie it on their wrist as, as a symbol that whatever their hands are doing, they're doing with a recognition of service to God and to his word. They are to be frontlets between your eyes. Not only would they be written on their, their wrists, but they would carry these, these uh, phylacteries or frontlets, and they, they would wear them between their eyes as a symbol of everything that we see. Everything we think about is governed by the word of God. They were to be placed on the doorposts. Verse 9, write them on the doorposts of your house. Again, symbolic of how the house is to be founded upon the word of God. The family is to be established around God's word and it's to be placed on the gates, verse nine. 
So as you exit your home, as you go in, as you go out, as you transverse in the world, you are not just pigeoning God's word to be communicated at home, but you're to live it out in all of your life's experiences. Everything you come in contact with, that is what the home is to prepare their child to do. To breathe the atmosphere of the scriptures. Now, my mother modeled Deuteronomy chapter 6. My mother taught me the scriptures from my earliest memory. She would talk of them all day long. It was quite natural to her to be talking about what the Lord is doing and has done. Every night, she would read the Bible to me from a Bible story book. She would explain the details of the story, filling in the background, making application, helping me to understand the Word of God. Bible verses hung on the walls of our home. But more than that, they not only hung on the walls of our home, but they were deeply embedded in my mother's heart. My mother was constantly memorizing scripture. She quoted it easily and freely. She habitually memorized the word of God. One of the practical ways that she did it was she would type up three by five cards and uh, on each three by five card would be a, a verse or two. And in our kitchen, there was a window just above the kitchen sink. And on that windowsill, which was rather wide, would be a series of three by five cards. And as my mother did the dishes, she memorized the scripture. She did the dishes three times a day, and she would use that time to memorize and review the portions of scripture. My mother was a spiritual giant to me. She uh, had the gift of teaching. My mother taught Sunday school, vacation Bible school, good news clubs, and ladies' Bible studies. And virtually every afternoon, as soon as the lunch dishes were done, the kitchen table would turn into her study. Out would come her Bible, a typewriter, and an armful of books that were sprawled all over the kitchen table as my mother worked at preparing for her many teaching responsibilities. I literally saw how important the scriptures were to my mother and how diligently she studied the word. Eunice modeled the faith of Timothy, the sincere faith that first dwelt and his grandmother Lois, and his mother Eunice. Timothy knew his mother's face was genuine. She sincerely believed what she had taught him. And he could see the value in her own life of what the scriptures had meant and done for her. He firmly believed, for he knew the genuineness of his mother's face. But one does not have to have the gift of teaching have a home that is filled with the aroma of faith that is a build upon the word of God. 
Again, Tim Challies, referring to John Piper, says this, and I quote from Tim Challies. Ruth was no scholar or theologian. And those are John Piper's words, but he didn't mean it in a demeaning way. He said, Ruth was no scholar or theologian. Her faith was deep but simple. Her children have no memory of her reading any book but the Bible, and no recollection of her quoting any of the verses except Proverbs. John wrote in a poem in her honor, I quote, Mama knew the good book, especially the Proverbs. Years later, when I was 3,000 miles away, she kept on quoting Proverbs in her salutations. The message was always the same, the pulse beat of her heart. The point is, ladies, that you don't have to have the gift of teaching. What you have to have is a sincere faith. A faith that governs the way you live, the way you act, the way you conduct yourself, the way that you engage and enter into conversations with your children. But thirdly, Timothy's mother was influential in preparing Timothy for a walk of faith. The book of Acts, and now I'm going to ask you to turn there, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Timothy's mother was influential in preparing Timothy for his walk of faith. In the book of Acts, we find that Timothy, now an adult, was a follower of Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy. A disciple was there named Timothy. Before he ever encountered Paul, he was already a disciple. Timothy. And speaking of him as a disciple, notice what it says. Verse 1. The disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. So we find out in the book of Acts that Timothy's mother was a believer, but his father was not. That's the implication of saying that he was a Greek, he was a heathen. His father did not know Christ, and his father did not share the veneration of the word of God that that Eunice had for the word. We also know that Timothy's father was not very supportive of Timothy's faith or of Eunice's faith. For Timothy was not circumcised as a child. Look at verse 2. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. 
The reason that he had not been circumcised is because his father was a Greek. That did not mean that he couldn't be circumcised. He could have been circumcised solely because his mother was Jewish. It did not prevent him from being baptized. It means his father did not allow it. Excuse me, I'm using the same bad, I mean circumcised, right? His father didn't allow it. That simple thought should send shockwaves to us as we think about the difficulty that she must have encountered in establishing this godly home, this atmosphere of faith where Timothy is constantly exposed to the scriptures. It must have been heartbreaking for her when the time came for her child to have been circumcised on the eighth day. But it couldn't take place. The father wouldn't allow it. Maybe there are some mothers here today whose husbands are not Christians, who would love to see their child dedicated to the Lord, but the Father has forbidden it, doesn't want that to take place. It can be heart-wrenching. It can be difficult. But she was a, a true believer. And she understood that circumcision wasn't necessary for salvation. She understood what circumcision is meant to proclaim. And she did not let the obstinacy prevent her from sharing her faith and communicating the truth to Timothy. She was not discouraged in all that she encountered. Despite all the obstacles, Eunice established a home life where faith flourished. So I say to you ladies, it is wonderful to know that if your husband is not a believer, If you're a single mother, if the weight and the burden of rearing your child in the faith is falling solely on your shoulders, that God still can establish Christian home. God still can be at work in the life of your child. They still can come to faith, not only faith, but flourish and grow and be a disciple, a follower, and mightily used of God. Even 
if your husband does know the Lord, there can be tremendous challenges that present themselves for mothers in a Christian home. Again, even if your husband is a believer, and even if your husband is a very dedicated believer, very committed to the Lord, it still might bring some hardship and difficulties to the family. Again, just following through on the example of John Piper, John Piper's father was named Bill. He graduated from college in 1942 and immediately began the full-time evangelistic work that would consume his life. Quote, all through John's childhood, his father traveled extensively and was typically away from home two-thirds of the time or just over 250 days per year. To put that in perspective, by the time John was 18, his father had been home for six years and away for 12. Most of his trips lasted 10 days, but they were occasionally far longer. Ruth fully supported Bill in his ministry, even though it left her carrying a double burden for a majority of the time, end quote. A godly man, but rarely home. I said, my wife led all three of our daughters to the Lord. When my daughters were real young. At that time, I was the sole pastor of the church. And the church was growing. And God was blessing. Which meant nights I was out visiting families or counseling with individuals with whom I could not meet during the day. Other nights, I attended meetings and board meetings and committee meetings. And the reality is, I was rarely present when my children went to bed. The nights were few that I tucked them in. Family devotions were devotions with my wife and my children, not with their dad. And it was during those times of devotion that she led them to the Lord. And I am quite certain that even though I'm a pastor, Bonnie has had a far greater spiritual influence upon our children, and especially our grandchildren, than I've had. That's a legacy. And I'm tremendously grateful that my wife was faithful and she didn't turn my children off to her father or to the ministry. Ladies, there may be many, many reasons why there is an undue workload that is placed upon you. Whether your husband travels, works at night, is ill, a myriad of circumstances. Pray that God will give you grace 
Pray that God will give you grace to know that your influence matters. And know that God can use you to be the blessing to your family. The husband is to be the spiritual leader in the home. But whether he is or whether he is not, a mother needs and can be a tremendous spiritual influence on her family. She can not only be an influence upon her children, but she can be an influence upon her husband as well. She may be the instrument that brings an unsaved husband to faith in the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and following says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without the word by the conduct of their wives. When they see you respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with an imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Ladies, you can be a tremendously spiritual benefit to your husband and help him. Help him, even in his own relationship to the Lord. My father accepted the Lord as his Savior as a child, and he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. But in the very early days, my dad, I grew up on a farm, and he milked the cows and fed them and found it very, very difficult to be in church on Sunday morning and do all the things that had to be done. When I was very young, my mother took us to church by ourselves. And Dad was supportive. He was glad that we went. But he was home. He was home. Eventually, things changed. My father became a Sunday school teacher, an elder, a prayer meeting leader, in which he taught on Wednesday nights, and a delegate to annual conference. But I know there was my mother who had a trans, who had a, 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 an incredible influence on his, his life. Her example and her committedness rubbed off. My mother was uniquely gifted in the insights that she had in reading the scriptures. And she studied them very carefully. She read them far more than my, my father did. And she understood them in a far deeper way than he ever did. Even though he was the elder and even though he was the Sunday school teacher and even though he taught on Wednesday nights. I observed them studying the scriptures together at home. And from my own, mother, my own mother's teaching me, I realized as I would sit on Wednesday nights and hear my dad teach that much of what he said were not original thoughts, but they originated with my mother. 
She influenced him tremendously. But my dad was not too proud to learn from her, which in and of itself taught me a great deal. Taught me that I need to listen to her and benefit from her. And I realized that my Christian worldview, my approach to and love for the scriptures has been largely shaped by my mother's example, conversations, prayers, and instruction over the years. I am my mother's son. I have learned that my own wife has taught me about having a humble and sacrificial spirit. I have observed and learned from her putting her faith into practice, her kindness, her hospitality, and the way that she carried, cared for my father who had Alzheimer's and came to live with us. The things that she had to put up with, the things that she had to endure, far more than I had to endure or put up with. I've learned a lot from my wife, and I'm grateful for her. In conclusion, children and teens, respect your mother. Learn from her godly example and instruction. Prize it and value it. Men, be grateful and thankful if you have the blessing of a godly mother and wife. Tell them how important they are to you. Don't be so proud that you can't lift her up and that you can't learn from her. Take note. Observe. Give credit. Be thankful the blessings that God has bestowed upon you. Let us together maintain and restore the real dignity and honor that's associated with motherhood. You know, it is so maligned today, talking about just changing diapers. There's a lot more to motherhood than changing diapers. But even changing diapers is an important part of motherhood. That care, that concern, that nurturing. It's a high and holy calling. How necessary it is for the well-being of our families, of our church, of our nation, and our world. That there be godly mothers. A lot of this world's ills can be traced back to the failure in the home of moms and dads. Let us together agree to establish Christian homes and exalt, lift up 
praise. Godly mothers, godly wives, who have sincere faith and want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we, we thank you for our mothers. And Lord, I, I realize that there are people here that did not have godly mothers. And as a result, may it be experiencing some real hurt and, and heartache. Help them through that hurt and heartache. Heal them and help them to learn the positive lessons on how wonderful it is to have a godly wife, a godly mother. I pray for our teens. I pray for our children that are not yet married and perhaps not even beginning to think about spouses. But Lord, when they do, help them to really want a, a wife of faith one who's committed to you and to your word. Lord, I, I pray for our teens, our, our children, that you would establish godly homes. I pray for mothers that have come to know the Lord later in life. And perhaps a message like this brings a, a sense of sorrow or regret wishing that they had done things differently. Oh, Lord, help them to remember it's not just Eunice. It was Lois, a grandmother. Help our grandmothers to see what an influence they can have upon their daughters, their sons, their grandchildren their great-grandchildren of God so allows. Help them to, to think about and influence. As I was talking to my daughter Ruth this week, who shared with me that the first person that taught her Bible verses was my mother, as she would go and visit the toddler. He was learning Psalm 23 with my mom as she would tuck her into bed. Lord, it doesn't stop. Help us to be faithful to the end, bringing honor and glory to you, rejoicing in seeing how you are using us to further your kingdom to establish your work. When we think of all that Timothy was able to do, Lord, by extension, may mothers rejoice as they see their children and grandchildren being used of you and knowing that they played a part in their lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to apologize this morning if I added to the, the suffering of any individual that perhaps wished they were married, wished that they had children, have been unable to have a child.
The Lord knows your, your pain. The Lord knows your anguish. But just as the Apostle Paul referred to Timothy as, her, as his son in this passage, not his biological son, not even one that he brought to faith, but he poured his life into. This morning, if you desperately want children, and you haven't been able to do so, I know it's not the same. But pour your life into another child. Know that you can have real, meaningful influence in the children of our congregation, the children of the community. Take them as your child. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.